are so many amazing perks of being sober. And one of my favorites is that sobriety allows us to take self-care to the next level. And it gives us such a sense of confidence. There's really nothing like feeling confident in your own skin. That's why I'm so excited to tell you about today's sponsor, One Skin. Their products make it easy to keep your skin healthy while looking and feeling your best. I've told you about how when I got sober, one of my favorite things was starting a skincare routine because that was not something I ever prioritized before. But let's be honest, knowing what the best skincare routine is can be a little overwhelming. That's why I'm excited about One Skin. There's no complicated routine, no multiple step protocols, just simple, scientifically validated solutions. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code HAPPIEST at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code HAPPIEST. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support my show and tell them I sent you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in our lives, and when we get sober, they can almost feel magnified at first because we're adjusting to feeling all our feelings again rather than using alcohol to numb them. I was honestly really surprised when I got sober at how many emotions came up for me. I remember literally saying, I have so many feelings right now, and it felt really overwhelming having to feel them all. But the great thing about that is that it gave me the clarity and awareness that I had some things to work through, like people-pleasing and like my own self-talk. That's where therapy can be so helpful because it's a safe space to get things off your chest and begin to work through what's been weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. What I really love about BetterHelp is that it's entirely online. All you have to do is fill out a questionnaire and you'll be matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime with no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com happiest today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash happiest. Hello everyone. I hope that you're all having an amazing week so far. I just got back this week from Scottsdale, Arizona. I went for the weekend. Um, My really good friend Jay, who has been on this podcast a couple times, Jay Chase, um, he was doing a workshop there called um, his Amplify Workshop. And so I went um, to take part in the workshop and to speak and It was a really, really awesome weekend and it was one of those weekends where something that I really like to say about sobriety is that we just like get to prove to ourselves just how capable we are of things that we once like wouldn't have thought possible. And for me this weekend in Scottsdale was kind of like a double whammy of that because on the one hand, like honestly, public speaking has never been my thing. Um, And so I, you know, Jay and I did like a live podcast recording um, for everyone there. And then I spoke on a panel at like an alcohol-free mixer. And those are just definitely things that, you know, my myself in my drinking days would not have thought Um, would not have believed that was something I could do. Um, But also even, you know, just going away on like a fun weekend away, someplace new. And when we landed there, like I just felt like the second we stepped out of the airport and I saw like palm trees and felt warm weather and saw pretty sunset, like I just felt so freaking excited to be there. I was like on a high, you know, like got back, got landed like kind of in the evening and it was a bit of a stressful travel day. So I didn't know if I would go out or anything that night, but my boyfriend and I ended up going out for dinner and just like 
we we found you like a patio like there was outdoor seating because it was nice and it's January so that was exciting for me and just being there I just felt like oh my god I'm so excited I'm here I was so excited being in a new place and that just kind of made me remember how in my early sobriety one of the hardest things to wrap my head around was like how I would ever be able to enjoy things like that without alcohol and there I was feeling so excited not feeling like I was missing anything. Like it just wasn't even a thought in my head of like, okay, I'm not drinking. You know, it just feels at this point like normal life. And I just feel that like excitement and joy from having new experiences. Um, so that was just a pretty, pretty like cool weekend to actually step back and and reflect on. And obviously this episode is about early sobriety. So if you're listening, like in my early days, I was like traveling impossible. Having fun traveling sober, impossible. Um, and it really is just like time just kind of works, works its magic. Um, the more you kind of push yourself out of your comfort zone and let yourself have those new experiences, um, eventually it does become normal life. And eventually you do get to find the joys in life again, not needing to find them in a bottle anymore. And that's a really, really cool experience. But anyway, so to today's episode, I just put out an episode all about early sobriety and how to start episode 62. And it was kind of funny. I thought going into it, it would be like a pretty quick you know, solo episode cut to me talking for like over 45 minutes because I just had so much to say. And after I put it out, I thought of like more things that I was like, oh my God, I really want to add this. So I just figured, screw it. I'm going to do a part two. (laughs) So this is part two, more tips on navigating early sobriety. So I'm just going to hop right into it. So this first tip, I'm going to, I'm going to get this first tip out of the way because it's so funny. I almost have like this resistance to this one. And the tip is to get outside. And the reason I don't love it is that honestly, in my early sobriety, I found that tip (laughs) somewhat annoying. (laughs) Um, I feel like I've always resisted the notion of like, get out for a walk. You'll feel so much better. It'll improve your mood so much. And, you know, I think part of that for me um, is that I have, you know, a complicated history with like body image and with my relationship with exercise. And I think something that can be very pushed on sober people is like, get sober, like exercise, work out, get fit. Um, And that's not necessarily a healthy mentality to have for all of us. And so I think for a long time, I equated like getting outside, getting a walk in with like that pressure to to exercise. Um, But it really is just a mood booster. Yesterday, I was in a bit of a funk, just like literally, you know, PMSing and just feeling a little bit down in the dumps, a little bit anxious. And I was like, dragged myself out for a walk. It took a couple hours to work up the motivation got outside within like 30 seconds of being outside, being in the sun, my spirits lifted so much. I ended up like walking around for so much longer than I planned on because it really is just such a mood booster. So in early sobriety, if you're having like a down day, if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling tempted to drink, it's honestly just like the change of scenery, the fresh air. You can even just literally like sit on the porch for a minute, like literally just step outside. If that's a walk around the block or just finding somewhere to sit outside, um, that kind of just like change of scenery is so good for even just like getting out of your own head too. Um, and also like 
I'm, I am Canadian and I am the biggest baby about the cold. And I think that was another thing for me. I'm like, I don't want to walk outside in the cold weather. Um, so even if it's like not nice out, you could even just go for a drive. Like, I think it really is a lot of the time, just a change of scenery, go for a drive, get yourself a coffee. Um, if you're really just sitting, thinking about drinking, it really can just be so, so helpful to almost just like interrupt, interrupt those, those thoughts. So getting outside really is a helpful tool, even though I resisted it for a while. Now I finally accept that, like, no, this is so good. And now I, I actually get outside most days and try to get a walk in just for, you know, the, the mental health benefits, the freaking mental health walk. It works. <laughs> um, okay, my second tip I wanted to touch on, and I did sort of touch on this in episode 62, the, the um, initial early sobriety episode I did. I mentioned that slips were a part of my journey, and I also referenced my episode about slips, which I will again, if you have slipped or slips have been part of your journey, to go listen to episode 30 because I kind of went like in-depth on on that and my takeaways from the slips that I had, but um, I kind of referenced them in my other early sobriety episode just because I had a really powerful takeaway from them about the fact that being sober means sitting with discomfort. But I thought I would just touch a little bit more on them. Um, Basically, just to say that oftentimes slips are part of the journey. They're part of the journey for many of us. Um, And I think it's really important that if you have a slip, you don't get discouraged by it. I think something a lot of us who struggle with our relationship with alcohol are guilty of is that sort of like all or nothing thinking. Um, And so I think sometimes like if you're trying to get sober and you've had a slip or you've had a couple slips, it can be really easy to just want to throw in the towel and be like, oh my God, I can't do this. This is too hard. Like almost using those slips as proof that you can't do it. But I think it's really important to remember that Getting sober is such a huge change to make and it's really unfair to expect perfection from ourselves. And, you know, lots of people do just have one day one and then keep going. My mom is one of them. I've had actually quite a few people on this podcast who only had one day one, but I've also had a ton of people on this podcast. You know, I'm one of them who like it took us a few tries and there should be absolutely no shame in that because again, it's just a hard thing to do. And if it takes you a little bit of back and forth to make it stick, then that is absolutely okay. And you don't need to beat yourself up for that. I think a really, really important thing to remember is that if you have a slip, it is an opportunity to gain so much clarity about why you want to be sober. Um, I, you know, looking back, I think I had three slips before my sobriety stuck within like a month and a half period. And every slip I had, I, it like, confirmed my decision for me more because I would drink again because I had started romanticizing it. And then I would wake up, you know, right back where I started. And then it was just that confirmation of like, okay, I was romanticizing drinking, drank, and then it look where it ended me up right back to wanting to get sober because I don't want to keep feeling this way. Um, and so the last slip I had gave me that last little bit of clarity for things to click for me to be like, okay, I'm done for real. So I look back and for me, it was a gift. It was necessary. I learned what I needed to learn from it. um, And then I was able to make it stick from there. So I just wanted to say like for anyone just starting out, if you have slipped or if you do, 
to not get discouraged and to not let that be proof that you can't do this because there are so many of us who it just takes a few tries um, before we get there. So just be gentle on yourself and like a slip is not a failure. The only failure would be in not trying and not coming back. So if you slip and you come back from it and you choose to really use it as like a learning opportunity, then that's absolutely a win. And that's just like extra little things to add into your sober toolbox because then if you're feeling to tempted to drink again, that's like such a helpful memory to be able to draw on. Like, okay, well, I've been down this road before. This is how it turned out last time. Um, so it really can be a gift And of course, I'm not encouraging you to go back and slip, but if you have or if it ends up being part of your journey to just keep going, that is all that matters. Just keep going, keep trying, keep showing up. My next tip is actually going off of something that I shared in my early sobriety episode. It was something that when I was listening back to what I said, I was like, oh shoot, I really wish I, I really wish I added this point onto that. Um, And I actually wrote a post on Instagram about it after um, because I think it's a really important thing to add. And I did kind of touch on this in my last episode with my mom where we were talking about rediscovering fun. But so what I had said in my early sobriety episode is to remember that if your drinking wasn't that bad, you wouldn't have stopped, which is actually one of my favorite little mantras to remember for sobriety. Um, But I was saying, you know, obviously it wasn't that fun anymore. If it was still that fun, you wouldn't have stopped. And I think something really important to add on to that, because I think if I heard someone say when I was in my early sobriety, still kind of in my grieving process, still kind of like missing alcohol, romanticizing it a little bit. I think if I heard someone say like, your drinking obviously wasn't that fun. I think I would have defended that a little bit and been like, but I did have a lot of fun times. And so I think if that is the case for you, if maybe you fall on the gray area um, and, you know, your whole life wasn't falling apart or maybe, you know, you weren't like a destructive drunk or you did have fun times while you were drunk, I think it's really important to remember that two truths can coexist and they don't cancel each other out. So if you find yourself romanticizing fun times to remember that like maybe it's true that I did have fun times but it's also true that alcohol was no longer serving me like you can have really good fun memories attached to alcohol and at the same time you can still know that like the lows outweighed those highs So it's really just knowing that like we can miss something and still know that it was no longer good for us. There can still be good times and that does not take away from the fact that we didn't want to keep suffering the consequences for it anymore. So really just being able to hold those two truths. If you are someone who kind of feels like, well, I did have a lot of good times or my drinking wasn't that bad. Like it was bad enough for you that you wanted to make this change. My next tip is... Uh, a helpful little reminder about cravings. And I talked pretty extensively in my other episode about the fact that like we can sit with our discomfort, we can survive, you know, feeling like you really, really want to drink, that feeling will pass. Something I read is that cravings actually only last on average like 20 minutes. So I think a helpful tool if you're feeling so, so tempted to drink is literally set a 20 minute 
timer on your phone. Um, and I know some sober apps will literally have this on their app where you can go in and be like, I'm having a craving and like set it. It'll start like a 20 minute timer for you. I can't remember which ones, but, um, if you're really feeling tempted to drink and you're struggling with it, just like set a 20 minute timer and be like, I'm going to choose to not drink for the next 20 minutes and then find a good distraction. I think distractions when you're really, really feeling a craving um, are super helpful. And that can also be when you reach out to like an accountability buddy, like I'm really feeling tempted to drink. Oftentimes, even just saying that to someone else um, is really, really effective in like stopping you from doing it. Um, so set that timer, like go you know, take a walk, coming back to the beginning, find a, dis- find a distraction put on your favorite show, you know, like get yourself some food, go get a coffee, do whatever you need to do. And like, if that timer goes off and the craving hasn't passed and you still feel like you want to drink, like restart it, you know, just like break it down for yourself. Cause it's helpful to remember, like I can survive 20 minutes of this feeling right now, really kind of just like breaking it down for ourselves. And then that is when, again, I said this in my other episode, that's when you're going to play the tape forward and remember that like this feeling of really wanting a drink is not fun, but it is not worse than how I would feel tomorrow if I drank. It's always remembering that trade-off, right? And that's why a really, really great sober mantra is choose your hard. Yes, getting sober is hard. Yes, you're going to have your hard moments, but it's remembering, like I think it's so helpful to remember that sobriety has its hard moments and then drinking has its hard moments and it's it's a trade-off. Like if you want to drink to escape your discomfort, it's like you can take the discomfort now and then the reward afterwards of like, yay, I got through it. Thank God I didn't drink. Or you can temporarily pause that discomfort and then feel it on a much more extreme level tomorrow. So it's really remembering like, okay, this feeling is hard. Sitting with the feeling of wanting a drink is hard, but I'll take the hard feeling of wanting to drink and not drinking, or I'll sit with the hard feeling of, you know, whatever it is I might want to drink to escape right now, or I'll sit with the hard feeling of feeling sad, feeling left out because other people are drinking around me and that looks fun and I feel like I'm missing out. Like all of those feelings aren't fun, but then remembering while the alternative to that hard is waking up and not remembering what I did last night, waking up and having to text someone to check if anything bad happened or if anyone is mad at me, waking up in like a panic, like how did I get home? I don't remember my night. Waking up full of anxiety, feeling so much shame, feeling so disappointed in yourself. We've all been down that road so many times and that's why we're here is because we don't want to keep feeling that way. And if you keep drinking, you are keeping yourself in that cycle. If you keep drinking, you're guaranteed to keep feeling that way. Whereas if you sit with like the temporary hard moments that come with getting sober, the payoff in the long run is so, so huge. So just keep remembering that mantra, choose your hard. Like this might be hard, but it's not harder than staying in that cycle of drinking and then suffering. Okay, my next tip is kind of like a fun, maybe a little bit of a silly one, but I honestly think it's so helpful. And this tip is to look up sober celebrities because there are so many, literally just off of a Google search right now, (laughs) I just pulled it up, like Daniel Radcliffe, Drew Barrymore, Rob Lowe, Brad Pitt, Brad freaking Pitt, 
Zac Efron, Blake Lively, Naomi Campbell, Lucy Hale, Tom Holland, Tyra Banks. I didn't even know that one. That's so freaking cool. Lana Del Rey, Jack Harlow, Chrissy Teigen, like literally so many celebrities are sober. And the reason that I think this is actually like a helpful thing to look up is because oftentimes part of the struggle of being sober is that you feel like there's something wrong with you. You feel like the odd man out, like drinking is painted to be this like, you know, cool thing. It's very glamorized. So you might feel like you're just like not, not as cool anymore if you don't drink, not as fun. And reading that list of like super successful, like A-list celebrities is just like, I am in such great company. And that is honestly just helpful to see. Like, am I going to feel like a loser for not drinking when freaking Brad Pitt, (laughs) one of the biggest stars on the planet, doesn't drink? Bradley Cooper also. Anyways, I'm just spewing them now. But um, it is very helpful to just like remember we are actually in such good companies. There are a lot of very cool, very successful, inspiring people who don't drink. And then it's kind of like, well, that's a club that I want to be a part of. So it's just a way of remembering that you are in good company. You're not alone. And like that sobriety is cool because there are a lot of very cool people doing it. And speaking openly about it, speaking openly about how much it has changed their lives. Like I remember seeing Bradley Cooper say like, oh my God, I would never have the career I have now if I hadn't quit drinking. Um, so definitely Google a list and remember that you're in great company (laughs) in doing this. Okay. And this next one I want to touch on because I think it's actually one of the more challenging parts of sobriety. Um, and that is navigating, do I tell people in my life? How do I tell people that I'm making this change? Um, I know that was definitely a very, anxiety-inducing, challenging part of early sobriety for me. Um, And I always think – and also I did do a full episode – um, pretty early on in this podcast about navigating like other people judging our sobriety and other people's opinions. That's episode six. If you want to go back and listen to me talk a little bit more in depth about that. But I always like to say that if you're in the very early days, you do not have to share anything that you're not ready to share yet. And you don't have to make a big commitment to the world or a declaration that you're doing this. Um, I think that can be really scary to do when you yourself, are still figuring it out. And I remember really have to framing it for myself in the early days of like, oh, I'm just taking a break. I'm not drinking right now because I was scared of saying I was never going to drink again or I was getting sober and then failing. Like it felt like a scary commitment to have to tell people. Um, And so I think give yourself grace and you don't have to share anything you're not ready to share. You don't have to share your reasons for doing this if you're not ready to share. You know, whether you just want to say right now, I'm taking a break, I'm doing a dry month. Um, Or if you do want to say that, no, I'm actually quitting drinking or I'm taking a break for, you know, a hundred days or whatever you're comfortable saying, you still don't even have to give your reasons if you're not ready to. So just really be easy on yourself in knowing that you don't have to share anything you're not ready to share yet. I think what can be really, really helpful is deciding like if you're going to go you know, meet up with someone for the first time who doesn't know yet that you're that you're not drinking, or if you're gonna, you know, go to an event or something. Um, I think it's 
always helpful to decide in advance what it is you're comfortable sharing. Um, Because oftentimes, like if people ask and you're on the spot, that's when you might get flustered or you might overshare. You know, I always found it helpful any different situation I was going into to decide, okay, what is my answer going to be? And that might vary depending on the situation. If you're meeting up with a close friend, maybe you're, you'll feel comfortable to be a little bit more honest with them. If you're going to like a work party, maybe you just want to say you're doing a dry month or you're driving or whatever it is that you want to say. But um, no matter what the situation is, sit with it beforehand and decide beforehand because then you'll go in a lot more confident because like you already have your answer ready. Um, So there's no right or wrong on like what to say or what to tell people. There's only what makes you feel the most confident in the moment and what you're most comfortable sharing. So just reflect on it beforehand, decide before, and then literally even like rehearse your answer. I totally did that in my early days when I was navigating some new situations. Um, It definitely can just take a lot of stress and pressure off. But just remember that at the end of the day, no one else's opinion on this change you're making matters. And if anyone does have a negative reaction to it, that is probably just a reflection of their own relationship with alcohol. Oftentimes, other people getting sober kind of holds up a mirror (laughs) and shines a light on other people's drinking, and that can make them uncomfortable. So if anyone is unsupportive or or if they give you a hard time, just remember that's just their own stuff. It's not yours to take on, and you're not responsible for how anyone else feels about it. But I will say that Oftentimes I'm pleasantly surprised with how little people care or with like, you know, what a non-issue it can be. Um, And I do think that is because times are thankfully changing and it's becoming a lot more normalized to stop drinking or to take breaks. But at the end of the day, the only opinion that matters on your sobriety or, you know, if you're sober curious or whatever it is that you're doing, the only opinion that matters is your own. Um, And you can hold your head up high knowing that you're doing what's best for you and you're making this change to improve your life. And of course, you don't have to put yourself in any situation that you're not ready to be in. Like I said in my other early sobriety episode, sometimes early sobriety means saying no to things and going home early and just putting yourself first. My next tip is to freaking treat yourself in early sobriety. Something that is very, very common when you quit drinking is to have a lot of sugar cravings or just food cravings in general. It's totally normal. I get a lot of people asking me about them. Is this normal? Like when is this going to stop? It's completely normal. You know, for one, alcohol has a lot of sugar in it. So when that's removed, you genuinely just do crave sugar. But I think it's also like probably a lot of other emotional reasons. Like sometimes we do turn to food or other things for comfort. And I'm a big, big, big believer in just leaning into those sugar cravings in the early days. I think that if you are getting through the day without drinking, you are doing enough. And if you're just, if you're like eating ice cream rather than drinking wine, that's amazing. That is what I did. I think I single-handedly kept Haagen-Dazs in business in my early sobriety. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that. 
Getting sober is such a big change to make. It's a hard thing to do. It is a time to be so, so easy on ourselves. It's not a time to beat ourselves up for what we're eating. So yeah, big believer, lean into those sugar cravings. If they are helping you to not drink right now, then that is an amazing thing. And they do calm down with time, I promise. Um, But also like, you know, aside from just sugar cravings, I think it's a great time. You know, I I touched on really like self-care in my other early sobriety episode, but like really – like treat yourself, you know, celebrate like a milestone with a dessert or whatever, but also getting sober, you're saving money. Like alcohol is not cheap. Going out to the bars, not cheap. Um, and you can take that money and like buy yourself an awesome new outfit or like, you know, plan something fun, plan a fun outing, buy like a splurge item that you haven't been able to justify up until now. Even like buy new things for your home. I think that like actually it can be very powerful to kind of change up your um, your like living space in early sobriety um, and not in a way like not if it overwhelms you, of course, just if it's something that's helpful to like keep you busy and then um, it really can like affect how you feel when your space is nice. So Buy like even some new cute home decors, like just do nice things to treat yourself because again, getting sober is hard. It takes so much hard work and you're doing something so amazing for yourself and you deserve to just treat yourself and be extra nice to yourself right now. And on the topic of, you know, home decor, I also, when I got sober, I had so many wine themed decorations in my apartment that I had to get rid of. So even like clearing out those things when you're ready, if you can, you know, if you don't live with somebody else, dumping out the alcohol in your place. Like when I hit 30 days sober, I got on FaceTime with my mom and I dumped all the alcohol in my apartment down the drain. And it was a very like empowering experience for me. Um, So it can be beneficial to just kind of like clear all that stuff out. But yeah, big, big, big vibe in early sobriety. Absolutely treat yourself. (laughs) Um, Okay, my last tip here, and again, I went so in-depth on a bunch of other tips in episode 62, Early Sobriety and How to Start. So if you're looking for more sobriety tips and you haven't um, listened to that episode, definitely go check it out. These are all kind of like the other ones I thought of afterwards. Um, My last tip here is to start a sober gratitude journal. I talked, I think the first tip I gave in my last one was to write everything down, like write down your why, write down all the negative consequences of drinking, just like all of that as a reminder for yourself. And I think the opposite is just as powerful. And, you know, having just a gratitude journal practice in general is such an amazing thing. It's something I'm always trying to be consistent with, but like really making like a sober gratitude journal for yourself, like write down at the end of the day, all the reasons you're grateful to be sober today. It's so helpful because, you know, not only will that be helpful to look back on if you're ever feeling tempted to drink, like you can go back and read all the kind of gifts along the way that you've had so far in sobriety, which reminds you like of all the things that you don't want to give up. But then also when you're writing a gratitude journal, it makes you look for those things throughout the day. Like it really kind of shifts your perspective where you're actually searching for those things. And there's so many things to be grateful for in early sobriety, right? Like getting to wake up without a hangover right there, waking up with your peace of mind, your memories, having your first sip of coffee in the morning when you're not hungover. 
Um, you know, even just like moments throughout the day that you're present for that you wouldn't be present for, like getting to see a really pretty sunset and usually you'd be wine drunk by then or even noticing differences. Like I was able to, you know, it was, it was, you know, my friend's birthday and I was able to show up and be present for them the way that they deserve. And like last time when I was drinking, this is how that went. I think those comparisons are really, really helpful. Like this is how I was able to show up because I'm sober. This is how it's gone before. Um, So really just like putting pen to paper, writing down everything that has made you grateful to be sober each day um, is really, really powerful powerful to just build that habit of looking for those moments and appreciating them. And then that will be just a great thing to be able to look back on. So I'm going to leave it off there. Just a reminder that one of my main tips that I talked for a while about in the other early sobriety episode was to find community. It is such a game changer. So if you're still looking for a community, um, you can check out mine, the Happiest Sober Hub. Um, You can go to happiestsober.com to check it out. I'll also link it in the description of this episode. And also my sober trip to Croatia is still available to book. It's coming up in May. I could not be more excited. I'll link that as well in the description of this episode. You can subscribe to my weekly newsletter for free sober inspo straight to your inbox every Sunday at happiestsober.com and follow me on Instagram at happiestsober. If you're enjoying the podcast, it would help out so much if you could rate, review, and subscribe. New episodes come out every Tuesday, so I'll chat with you next week. I hope you have an amazing week. Remember that life's happiest when you're sober. Bye. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there.